you ever said, I used to be so confident or I used to be so much more fun or I used to be more relaxed. Whatever happened to that girl, that version of me? In today's episode, I'll deconstruct how the gaslighting tactic of undermining is often the culprit for this experience. I'm Sarah Morales, and I'm the host of this podcast. Want to know if you're experiencing gaslighting? I invite you to check out the free self-assessment on the homepage of my website. The link will be in the show notes. Today, I'm going to unpack a few of the main dynamics in my guest Kayla's relationship with her ex. Kayla Lopez is a paralegal at an international law firm, AKA Badass. She has been in the legal field for almost a decade. Kayla earned her Bachelor of Arts degree in English Literature and Master of Arts degree in English Literature from California State University, Northridge. Currently, she is enrolled in her second year at St. Francis School of Law. Kayla is from Los Angeles, but she currently resides in Fresno, California. In her free time, she is often spending time with family, participating in fitness activities, and enjoying numerous friend outings. Thank you for being my guest today, Kayla. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Yay, me too. Me too. (laughs) Um, All right. So today, our word of the day is undermined. Undermined. Undermine. And what is undermine, Sarah, right? To erode the base or foundation is one definition. And I really like that because when we're talking about who we are, which is how this has to do with gaslighting, undermining is eroding us. It's eroding the base or the foundation of who we are and self-trust. Let me give you a brief second definition, and that is to make someone less confident, less powerful, or less likely to succeed, or to make something weaker, often gradually. So again, when it comes to gaslighting, undermining is a technique often used to cause the other person to lose connection with and trust in themselves. When we no longer know who we are, there's no way we can trust ourselves. And if we can't trust ourselves, we become more and more vulnerable to other people defining for us who we are and how we should live. So that's undermining. And we're going to really focus in on that today as we listen to Kayla's story. So let's dive in, shall we, Kayla? Yes, let's do it. Awesome. So your gaslighter was who? My ex-boyfriend. Okay. And awesome. And how long were y'all together? We were together for just over a year. Okay. So here's what I want to say. You know, a lot of people um, really kind of will almost poo-poo like a time frame as if a time frame defines our experience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I want to say to you and to lots of people out there who maybe have only been with somebody for a year, but yet the gaslighting that they experienced was so frequent and so intense that it was still very detrimental. It doesn't have to be as long as mine was like 19 years in order for it to be something that can cause distress and be detrimental to your health, to your mental health, all of these things. So um, I just wanted to to kind of point that out right at the beginning. Um, Yeah. So when I was going through your notes, I loved how you described what was happening in your life leading up to mm-hmm. when you met your ex. Can you tell us a little bit about where you were at in life previous to meeting him? Right. So for several years, I had 
enjoyed being single. I was dating frequently, but I really wasn't in any, I felt that I wasn't in any state of mind to really be in a relationship that would have brought any kind of joy because I felt that myself, I still was working on myself so much. Yeah. Meaning that I really didn't know who I was completely in my twenties. Um, I wasn't really consistent with any kind of, um, I guess, characteristic that could be useful in relationships, like, mm -hmm. um, communication, loyalty, things like mm -hmm. that nature. I was just having mm -hmm. fun. And so sure. when I had, um, turned 30, you know, 31, I started feeling like, okay, well, I actually do want to be with someone. I don't want to be alone mm -hmm. anymore. I want to try mm -hmm. and see if, you know, these relationships are, are worth being in. And so mm -hmm. I decided that, um, I just felt more confident too. I think after being in mm -hmm. school and working for so long, I just felt like, um, very good about myself. And so that's when I had met my ex at the mm -hmm. gym. So, okay. Mm -hmm. So, um, in the notes that you shared with me, you actually talked about how you felt as if you were in a place in life where you were thriving, mm -hmm. right? You were, you felt really successful, like kind of the top of your game kind of a thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I felt, I just felt so sure of myself that I knew that I wanted to start a family. I just was mm -hmm. very certain that I was ready to be with someone and you're right. I, I was, I was thriving right before that. I felt great. Yeah. And then dun, 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 in <laughs> <laughs> walks the ex. Um, and so then you met your ex, right? And tell us what it was like when you first met him. So when, I, so when I first met him, it was very, it was very intense, but, uh, I thought it was all, you know, good, good and fine. I, he was very interested in me, wanted to be with me all of the time. Um, you know, every day, um, every, you know, he wanted to know what I was doing, where I was at, very curious about what I was doing for work. Very, he would tell me how proud he was of me. He would tell me mm -hmm. I'm beautiful. He would tell me he loved me, all of these amazing things. I mean, mm -hmm. we go on trips like every other weekend. Um, I felt very much like, like I was like, it wasn't real. It just felt yeah. so perfect. Mm -hmm. so. Okay. And how long did that last? That only lasted about long enough to get me inside of his house. <laughs> <laughs> to get that hook properly, yeah. properly in, right? <laughs> yeah, we, mm -hmm. we had, you know, and it, it just, it was very short lived and it was already mm -hmm. too late because for someone like with my personality, I can be kind of competitive and pretty empathetic. So I felt yeah. like I, I wasn't going to give up, you know, it was, mm -hmm. I just had to like defeat this issue of him suddenly sure. It's like, surely you still care about me. Surely you do. I mean, I'm going to prove it to you. So. Yeah, right. Right. And that makeup too, um, you know, we might get into this a little bit when I get into the deconstruction zone, but I make up too, there probably was part of it of like, what happened? Like, wait, what actually happened? Right. Yeah. Because it happened like just out of the blue suddenly. Right. I think you said exactly. it was described it like a switch. It was like a switch turning off. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I just felt like suddenly he just woke up and decided to be the worst version of himself, but actually it was his real self. Mm -hmm. and mask fell off, huh? Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So it, it wasn't anything that was gradual. It seriously happened mm -hmm. instantly. It was just very scary how quickly things changed. Yeah. And that's when you began searching for answers, right? Right. So I, I love to read and that's kind of how that started as I, I picked up a, a book on attachment theory. Mm -hmm. Um, and so there, 
there was a an avoidant attachment theory that was inside the mm -hmm. text. I can't think of the author. You may have you may know exactly what I'm referring to though, but maybe. It, yeah, and then I mm -hmm. um I that's what led me to thinking that he was a narcissistic and then I was thinking and then that's when I stumbled upon gaslighting. It was like mm -hmm. all like a ladder, you know. Mm -hmm. so. And you know, I, I love the fact that, you know, obviously um <laughs> listeners, I'm sure you'll agree, wow, Kayla's very self-aware <laughs> she talks about where she was at and how she knew when she was ready and you know, like I'm not just going to go look at why is my person treating me like an asshole. I'm looking for attachment style <laughs> thing, right? Like, um, which is fantastic. And I love that. And, um, you know, I think there was a, a phrase that you used in your notes um, that, that described kind of how you went into this um, phase, right? And I don't know if you'll remember it or not, but um, do, do you remember what I'm talking about? Can you think just from that description? What am I meaning? Um, I can't think of it. Tell me, tell me. <laughs> I tell you. So, um, <laughs> so you used the phrase, I began a crusade. Oh. Okay. Do you remember what, do you remember the, what the rest of that was? I'm sure it was something very, you know, competitive, like, like I started a crusade of just finding out what was probably why he had changed and also mm -hmm possibly how I could do better kind of deal. Because I remember thinking and a lot of it was still me during that time. Yeah. yeah. You know that, I think that's great. And you said a lot of that throughout your notes and um, you know, the, the specific phrase, and I, I want to say it because it was so powerful and I, I want my listeners to hear it because I guarantee a lot of them will say, yeah, yeah, me too. And that is, you said, I began a crusade focusing only on his needs and ignoring all of my needs. Right, exactly. Yeah. And that's honestly, that is the trouble of my personality. I tend to like to, I feel like when I fall in love, um, and I even see it in the relationship I'm in now where I do feel like I'm constantly asking, are you happy? Are you okay? Mm -hmm. Do you need mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And I forget, okay, have I communicated everything that I need and, and want? Um, it's just a balancing act and it's difficult for me. So mm -hmm. I really struggled it struggled with it a lot in this relationship with my ex for sure. But mm -hmm. it was yeah. definitely all about him. And I just I couldn't there was no space for me there. There just wasn't. So Yeah. Well and again, I think like I said, a lot of people I think are going to be able to say me too. Mm -hmm. I've done that same exact thing. Um and so it's I think it's a very common thing, especially for those of us who have the temperament or the personality or even just the desire, right? Like sometimes it's not a personality thing. Sometimes it's a desire thing where we're wanting to be the best versions of ourselves. Right. So when somebody else says, Hey, you're to this, we're like, Oh, well, crap, I better fix that. Right. And then say, right. wait a second, maybe I'm not, maybe, you know, that's not necessarily the first thing that we think, especially when it's supposed to be somebody that we're supposed to be able to trust, like our intimate partner. Right. So Absolutely. I, I think it's one of those things, when I was with him, I kept thinking my needs and wants clearly are not fitting in this space for him. Mm -hmm. But then I, I, you know, slowly began to realize it's not that, that my needs and wants it's I'm with the wrong person. It's not the wrong Kayla. It's the wrong, I'm with the wrong person. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. so you can find someone that meets that checks all of your boxes, you know? So, mm -hmm. yeah. So Kayla, you gave me, um, a number of really great examples of 
stories or situations that you experienced quite a bit, even in the short time that you were with this person. And side note, I'm like so proud of you. I just want to say it right now. I'm so proud of you that you had the awareness and the ability to get out as fast as you did. Like, good for you. I'm, I'm glad that as crappy as it was that you didn't have to experience it longer than you did. So good for you. But backing up to when you were still in that relationship, yeah. um, when you were in your search for finding answers, you focused on understanding attachment theory, like you just said, mm-hmm. and then you stumbled on narcissism and gaslighting. And then this is where probably like me, you're like, there's a word for what I experienced, like, oh my gosh, right? And right. you began to realize that this is what you had been experiencing. Mm-hmm. And so what I love for you to do, you highlighted some specific situations in the relationship that you're like, I think this is gaslighting. I think this is gaslighting. I think this is gaslighting. So would you go ahead and share some of those with us? And I think for the first one, I just want to give a little bit of a trigger warning um, as a heads up for my listeners. Um, we're, we're very sensitive here, but at the same time, we want to share things. I guarantee, I guarantee because I've worked with hundreds, if not thousands of y'all by now, that this is not uncommon. So I want uh, you know, Kayla's willing to be this vulnerable. <laughs> Thank you, <laughs> Kayla. Um, so I want her to, to have the freedom to be able to share this and really validate a lot of people. So Kayla, go ahead and please share some of your experiences. Yeah, no worries. It's it's funny because saying things like this to you, it's always been easy for me to overshare with people. It's people are mm-hmm. like, well, could you just... Um... <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah, I. but I am more than happy to share. It's uh, one of the most, I think, really difficult for me was um, our intimacy when we were mm-hmm. intimate um, and we, he just had, he had stated to me that I was bad at sex and that he, I couldn't sustain his erection essentially. And mm-hmm. so that was kind of devastating to hear um, because mm-hmm. then it was no longer about myself and him experiencing this wonderful thing. It was right. suddenly all about him. And mm-hmm. I was convinced that I just wasn't very, I wasn't any good. And so, and that's just mm-hmm. a horrible deflating feeling. Cause then that, it didn't just stay in the bedroom. It, it became more about like how I felt even outside of the bedroom. And then I just yep. felt ugly and like not, and not desired, um, mm-hmm. insignificant. And that's just horrible for a man or a woman to have to experience. And so for me oh. as, as a female, I just felt like I didn't even want him to see me, um, I got to a point where I just didn't even want him to see me without my clothes on because I just felt like so gross to him. I'm all been there. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. I I, I hear you. And uh, again, I'm sure there are so many people that are saying, oh my gosh, I know that feeling. And it is a horrible feeling. And I think, you know, what's, what's absolutely bonkers. Y'all can't, y'all can't see Kayla, but Y'all, she is drop dead gorgeous. Like she could be a model. Like I'm not even kidding. Um, and you know, the I want to get sassy. Sarah wants to come out and play and start cussing a lot. But you know, the way that the way that um, our love of ourselves and our what's supposed to be something that's absolutely free and beautiful which is our sexuality right like it's supposed to be something that is beautiful and powerful and intoxicating and invigorating and all of these things and it's stripped 
of all of that. And it becomes one dimensional, which is how can I do better so that he is pleased or they are pleased or whatever. Right. Like, and that's what it became for you. Right. Right. Exactly. And I, and I got used to that again. I mean, I Mm -hmm. think back on it now and I think, oh my gosh, I can't believe that I tolerated it, but I genuinely was convinced Mm -hmm. that, you know, wow, all this time I must've been terrible. I must've been a horrible lover. (laughs) um, I have said that before. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like calling exes. No, just kidding. (laughs) And it was, there was other, um, outside of intimacy, there was also like hand-holding hugs. I would ask him, you know, it would be the end of the day. I'd have a hard day at work, which isn't, Mm -hmm. um, abnormal working in a law firm. It's a very high stress job. So, um, I'd come home and I'd be like, Hey, I really need a hug. You know, I had a hard day and he's like, no, I don't want to hug. Have you thought about that? I don't, maybe I don't want to hug you. And I'm just like, Mm. and I just, I remember Mm -hmm. one instance where I just started crying in front of him. He just did nothing, Mm -hmm. did nothing. And other times like where I'd say, can we, you know, cuddle on the couch? Can I like just anything? And Mm -hmm. it just, I would try to even just say, you know what, screw it. I'm just going to try and lay right next to him. Still, he would just like, I was Mm -hmm. just testing him. He just wouldn't even want me to touch him. It was the strangest Mm -hmm. thing. I don't, I just couldn't understand it. But I thought, you know, again, I thought I was very needy. I thought Mm -hmm. people would say, you, you're too needy. You need too much of my affection. And and, and you're just so, you know, you want to touch and and this, that all the time. And I'm like, I don't think so. I think I'm dialing and dialing it up so high because you're way down here. Right. I'm trying to like get something, anything, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, this caused for you a dynamic that I am very familiar with, um, where it brought you to a place of an energy of feeling like you had to beg or bargain for his affection. Is that correct? Yeah, definitely. You know, um, I, I would do anything under their son to try and get him to want to do anything with regard to intimacy. You know, I would do whatever it took. And, and again, I think that's where my competitive nature comes out. I was like me against me, but in the worst way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we covered that section pretty good, right? About how the intimacy, sex, affection, those kinds of things, how he really gaslit you around that. And kind of the summary of that was you're too needy and the problems that we have here are your fault, right? Like, exactly. Summary, right? Great. That sounds really affirming. Thank you so much. Um, but there was more, right? And again, it's like, it's different and yet it's the same, right? I think that's something I've experienced and seen over and over again in all of the years I've been doing this where it's like, we can connect with these things. And, um, you know, the, the next one was about, I would say like compliments or, um, you know, compliments, affirmation, you know, verbal communication of love, those kinds of things. Tell us a little bit about what your experience was like with your ex in that category. So this is a, this is a great topic because this is where I genuinely felt like, okay, maybe I do have a problem and I'm, and I'm too needy, but I, um, I would tell him, I'd say, you know, you never comment on the way I look. Like it takes me a good solid hour, hour and a half sometimes to get ready. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of throw on a shirt. I mean, you still look great. <laughs> you know, I would throw mm-hmm. out compliments to him, like where mm-hmm. I breathe. It was very natural for me to do that, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, but he just felt like, I don't know what it was. He just would not tell me. He'd be like, why do you always need to f- 
why do you always need to hear me say that you're pretty? Like, like don't you just know that you're pretty or something? And I, I'd be like, wow. what? I need to hear. I want to hear you say it. That's what I need. I, I want to hear it from you. You're the only one in the world that I want to, to think right. this, you know? Right. And the same with I love you is um, he, it, it got to the point where he would just stop saying it or mm-hmm. I would have to say, can you say it back? Like I just said it to you. Mm. You say it all the time. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I can't, yeah. I can't win with him. You know, nothing is ever good enough. So, yeah. So one of the things I teach people um, when I'm talking about gaslighting is there are things where something is missing, right? Which is what you're talking about. And then there's the added step of when then there's also things that are said to make you believe that what is missing is either your fault or there's nothing wrong with them for what's missing or et cetera. Like they're not responsible for for what's missing. Um, And so I'm curious, what were some of the messages that you were given by him as to why this was your fault, this experience of you not feeling like you were being told you were loved enough or being told you're beautiful enough. And side note, I remember doing that to my ex too. Like today would be a good day for you to tell me, like I had gotten dressed up for a wedding and I looked really Mm -hmm. good. And I was like, this would be a great time for you to tell me I look good. Mm -hmm. And you know, it was like, I would tell you you looked good. I, I, anyway. <laughs> right. I love complimenting people. <laughs> well, you know, it's not hard. It's not hard when you actually care about somebody <laughs> and you can, yeah. Anyways, um, but so I, you know, I remember it's like, feel, it felt like pulling teeth, right? Um, but again, then there's that extra step. And so what were some of the things that he told you were the reasons why you were feeling dissatisfied in the relationship? As well, what's unfortunate is when I got that attachment theory book there mm-hmm. inside of it, there's the anxious individual yeah. and he ah, okay. time, he's like, well, I could be avoided, but you're the anxious one, which means that like you constantly, you know, it, I, and that's what really kind of tripped me up because mm-hmm. I felt like my research was being mm-hmm. <laughs> used against me. Oh, um, for sure. Yep. And so he just, you know, it was kind of like a recycling effect where he's like, okay, well, you're, you're, you know you're anxious all the time. You constantly need me around. You constantly need, I love you as well. You know, this is you, this is your chapter. This is what you need to work on. And so, um, I was just like torn up because of it. It was not good because then I felt like I didn't have a leg to stand on at that point. Mm-hmm. Cause I was believing him all the way, every step of the way that he was mm-hmm. right. That I, I in fact was insecure, you know, and it, at one point he even had convinced me that, um, that I was very like insecure if he if he talked to or went to other females like that was like in the same field as him. I was like, why would mm-hmm. I care? I was like, I'm not. And he's like, but you are. You are. Like it just was so. It, it was very. Mm-hmm. He would use those examples when trying to tell me that I was like an anxious attachment. So. Mm-hmm. I I believed him. I really did. I can't. I can't. Yeah. It's so crazy that I, when I think about it now because I I'm just like. Why? I mean, how, how did I get stuck there? And I heard, I think I heard this already on your podcast where it's like, you, you could think that you're so intelligent. You could actually be very intelligent, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't matter. This can still happen to you. Love is is funny that way. So. Well, it's not only that, but you pair 
I'm like, okay, well, we'll explain. I'm like, hold, please. Hold that, <laughs> hold that thought because I'm so excited. Like, I, th- I think you're just going to geek out when I, when I do the deconstruction part of your story. Um, because like, we're, we're like, we're like touching on it. <laughs> like, it just throughout. I'm like, this is going to be so cool when we see it all come together in this like cool flow, flow chart. Um, so, so let's go on, right? You've got a couple of more great points that I would love to hit on. So as I said, in the introduction, you have a number of um, degrees that revolve around English, right? Like, um, yeah. and this was actually something that he used against you or gaslit yeah. you around, right? Yeah, and that, yeah, would you share a little bit about that with us? Yeah, I remember exactly where I was. I we were standing in the kitchen, and he goes, he had said to me that um, he's like, you have two degrees but your vocabulary really stinks when you talk to me. It's just not good mm-hmm. enough. And so, and he, and granted, he did have a, a wonderful vocabulary. He's very extensive, good for him. But um, <laughs> he mm-hmm. really, really, that hit me hard because I'm thinking, wow, mm-hmm. I just blew $80,000. Thanks a lot. In a matter of a moment. And it, and it, mm-hmm. and it, it was an insecurity of mine. And I, and I, I feel that he truly knew that because I've always felt like I, when I speak, I've always been kind from a young age, I was very shy. Um, Mm. and as I've grown older, I've become a little more confident for sure, but I definitely will stop and pause and think to myself, okay, did I use that word correctly? What does this word Mm. mean? Like I, I'm, I can be, you know, just kind of hesitant with what I'm saying Mm -hmm. to people or how I'm saying it. And so Mm -hmm. he said that to me and I just was like, oh my God. I mean, it, he's like, he knew what would destroy me and he just blurted it out. And then I was like, I mean, he's right though. Cause I, I don't like to use big words or I, I don't know what I'm talking about, you know? Was, mm-hmm. And yet y'all in her notes that she sent me for this episode, I literally had to Google one of the words because <laughs> I didn't know what it meant. So um, she has a verbose uh, vocabulary and uses it very proficiently. Um, you know, this though is a great example. I'm going to pause. I'm going to highlight this, um, because this will actually, um, show up again in the set your alarm uh, section of the podcast. When we're trying to identify if someone is being undermining, I think that two things that we look for, it can go either way. And sometimes it's both. Um, but when they take something that is already a known insecurity and highlight it over and over again, Or on the flip side, and this is where I think it's also a pretty um, unique combination where I think your insecurity is also one of your strengths. And so it's like this, it's like this dynamic of both highlighting and criticizing one of your insecurities, but also breaking down one of your strengths or one of your accomplishments, right? Mm -hmm. So sometimes um, especially if you're with somebody who is high on the narcissism scale or actually has a personality disorder, they will intentionally want to break you down where you feel strong. It's like almost a challenge. It's like a fun thing to challenge, right? To challenge themselves of being able to break the other person down right. in the area that they're strong in. Um, so it's a very interesting so undermining. Okay. okay. Um, and I'm so sorry. Again, like I should have said this at the beginning, like, I just got so excited because I'm like, there's going to be so many things that people are going to be like, yes, me too, me too. And, um, but you know, this is a lot, you went through a lot, a lot of being torn down. And, um, again, we'll, we'll talk about that in deconstruction zone. Um, so let's talk about a couple of more things here. Um, and then we'll move on. 
But, um, you know, I, I found it interesting where, um, you know, this, this dynamic of him expecting you to, um, to do all of the things for him. Right. Like, especially when it came to his interactions with other people. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. He, um, he would criticize me often that it was my fault that he wasn't seeing friends or family. And I, and he said, why aren't you making plans with my family so that we can all, you know, be together. And I'm like, I don't even know the phone number to the person. I'm so, I don't even mm-hmm. know who your family is. This is ludicrous. Okay. Um, and I, and I told him, I said, I, I did say, you know, why is it my responsibility to make your plans? Just mm-hmm. make the plan with them and then, you know, tell me and we can go do that thing. Um, I, we, it's not like we were, you know, we weren't married. I mean, I, I barely at that point knew him or even his family at that point. It was just very like, it was very bizarre. <laughs> I mean, even, even if you had been married, like you're not a secretary. <laughs> Right. I mean, like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, this is. I'm sorry, but that's gonna actually get the f bomb because you know I wouldn't be like, even if I've been with somebody for a while, be like, it's your mom, it's your friends. Like, I am not your secretary. Like, are we doing like a double date? Because if not, like, why am I responsible? Yeah, yeah, like, you've got fingers. Yeah. You can dial. We've got Siri now. You can be like, hey Siri, call Bob or whatever. You know. Like, why am I relocated? <laughs> and I, I actually brought up to him, yeah. I said, so if I'm supposed to plan for you, then you plan for me. And he's just mm-hmm. like, no, you're supposed to do that. And I was like, that makes okay. no sense because that's not even None. fair. None. Oh my God. Yeah. It's just so crazy. And mm-hmm. so, so they got, that's what started the progression of um, th- those conversations that like, it was my fault that he wasn't seeing anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where those conversations started where he would be like, he would just, uh, make excuses then to not be around me, to never mm-hmm. be home, to be around me. So that's mm-hmm. that started to happen for sure. Yeah. And then when you wanted to spend time with him, he, he specifically told you that you were being selfish, correct? Right. And right. I mean, if we were together for an hour that mm-hmm. day that he designated, he just would be so sour and in a terrible mood. Like he just was doing the worst thing he could possibly mm-hmm. think of. And it just felt terrible. No laughter, no playfulness, mm-hmm. nothing like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so good. Yeah. And then one of the other dynamics that I, is actually goes into the undermining um, came when you were talking about, you know, him basically trying to get you to be responsible um, for the problems in the relationship, right? Like you were the ones with the communication issue, you're <laughs> so insensitive, selfish, controlling, all of these things. And then when he didn't get his way, he punished you, correct? Right. So, yeah. So, can you talk about that a little bit? Because I think a lot of people will relate to this specific type of punishment um, that you talked about here. So, the communication—he would tell me that I was a bad communicator, that I didn't know mm-hmm. how to talk about our issues. When, in fact, I was the one that was writing these novel emails. Right. With- Headings, bullet points. Um, and I would describe, you know, these are our issues that we need to work on. Lengthy emails. Mm-hmm. I probably sent maybe five all together throughout the span of the relationship. And he would never respond, never respond to them. Um, and would bring them up occasionally if we did talk. But I was like, how am I not good at communicating? I'm clearly laying out my my 
complaints, the areas I feel yeah. like we can grow in. And I'm ready and willing to talk to you if you, you know, showed up. But um, what ended up happening is there was just frequently frequent um, silence. He just wouldn't talk to me at all. Or if his, yep. his kids were around, he would just like disappear. And he'd say, I really need a day for me. Mm-hmm. And would leave me with the kids. And I'm like, <laughs> what about like, I, I it just, it, I'm fine with that to some degree. Like I, but I was getting treated so poorly in the relationship. Right. That I really didn't want to, at that point I felt like, okay, I love the kids. They're great. I was never going to take it out on them. Okay. I treated them like right. my own kids. And so, um, I just felt like this isn't right. You're not, you're not allowing me to even feel loved or wanted in this relationship or de- yeah. desired. And you want me to just stay with your kids all day while you go fishing. Cause you need a day. You need a right. day. <laughs> right. So secretary and babysitter. Great. Yeah. That's what I started to feel like. And mm-hmm. honestly, yeah, I've yeah. had, I had, um, family members tell me like you, you're his babysitter. You're his living. Mm. That's really what it is. Mm. Yeah. That had to really hurt. It did. But because yeah. I knew, I felt that it was becoming very real around the yeah. holidays. I think I kind of put that in there too. Yeah. So. Yeah. So Kayla, how did the relationship end for you? So this is what's so annoying because it actually ended because of him. He actually mm-hmm. was the one to formerly end the relationship. Um, mm-hmm. And so that was really frustrating to me because I knew that it should have been me, but mm-hmm. I feel like I, it, again, it's my personality where I just felt like I just could not give up because yeah. I just had to find out the true issue here. It was me. I, I could fix everything. I could make everything okay. But um, it's extremely frustrating that that's the way that it ended because I'm glad that he did it. But at the same time, I just, I can't believe, I could say it a million times. I just can't believe that he was, the one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wish I had left in like a blaze of glory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that'd be nice. I have one of those too <laughs> in my past where I was like, man. I, how was I not the one who didn't end that relationship? Yeah, I totally get that. Um, so within that, um, you know, I, I'm wondering if you can tell the listeners, share with our listeners, the where you were at by the end of the, by the time he got to the place where basically I, I make up, I can't know, I don't know, I don't know him, I don't know for sure, but I make up like he got kind of got he wasn't getting his supply, right? Like they talk about the the supply that the narcissist wants or whatever, right? Like because he had already kind of um, done his work <laughs> to you and kind of crushed you quite a bit, um, he wasn't able to get the same kind of supply that he was when he met you. Again, because when he met you, you were thriving, you were successful, you were loving yourself, you were loving life. And by the end of this year, yeah. right, where were you? Um, by the end of the year, I was not myself at all. Um, and mm-hmm. that's kind of something I, I, I tell people a lot is that P- my family started to really notice it. Um, mm-hmm. the, the individual that noticed it, my grandmother was one of the, one of the individuals. And that one hit me the hardest because mm-hmm. she's like, you're, she told me on Thanksgiving, she's like, you're sad all the time. You never mm-hmm. smile. You never laugh. And, mm-hmm. um, and I, and that was horrible. Um, and same with my, my mother. Um, she had stated to me, she's like, I, she's like, she's like, you know, 
it's funny because she, she actually had no issue with my ex, but she didn't like how he treated me, but my mom's is kind of empathetic, like very much like myself. So, mm -hmm. um, she's told me, she's like, but I would really like to see you with someone else. Like this clearly isn't doing anything for you. That's good. And so every, so many people, my sister, uh, my sister and I weren't even getting along during the time. And she saw me during the holidays and evidently I was looking terrible because mm -hmm. she had said something to me as well. And we weren't even talking. So, um, that was shocking to me because I couldn't believe how far I had sunk from where I was when I first met him to, yeah. I mean, that, that it was horrible. So I, I felt very guilty about that. And I felt like mm -hmm. I had come so far and it was like, it had wiped me out completely. Mm -hmm. So it's, yeah, I actually didn't really think about it like that. Like his supply was, uh, because he had sucked me dry basically. Yeah. I mean, there's a phrase that a lot of, you know, therapists and different people will use, um, called the energy vampire, right? So yeah. it's like once, you know, once you've drained all the blood, <laughs> you drained all the energy, right? Like, let's move on, let me move on to my next supply. Yeah. Um, it's, it's unfortunately not common. That makes um, me feel I, a lot better about the whole breakup then. <laughs> right? I mean, it's like, thank you, right? Like, thank you for moving on and letting me go and letting me come back to myself. Yes. Right? And I loved that part of your story. And um, so I'd love to end this part with a little bit of hope. Can you share with our listeners where you are at right now? And well, I guess a little bit of your journey too, of coming back to yourself. Yeah, definitely. I, um, so... After it all ended, I started focusing on the current job I had, which also was kind of a source of anxiety for me. And I felt like, okay, well, I need to, um, I need to get out of this job as well. It was not just the, it was like both fronts. I wasn't happy mm -hmm. at work. I wasn't happy at home. So okay. once that relationship ended, I knew it was time to find new employment too. And so, um, I was able to do that. And that transition was extremely helpful because it just really helped change. You spend so much time at work. You really should love where you're at, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that was extremely helpful. Um, I also did go to therapy. Um, that was, of course, when I went to therapy, I was like, here's my list of problems and here's what we're going to fix. I have four things. <laughs> like, okay, what are they? <laughs> I told her, we, like, I went to like intense therapy for like a month and a half. And she's like, okay, well, we like solved everything that you want to solve, but what else should we talk about? <laughs> and that was amazing. Um, and so, you know, and then I ended up meeting the the boyfriend that I'm currently with and he's mm -hmm. he's amazing he's funny I we're playful together he's smart um he makes me feel like I'm beautiful intelligent um we have wonderful long great conversations and um I I'm extremely happy I finally feel like I you know I've I have faith in men again because of him mm -hmm. because I feel like he he's really changed how I feel about just being in relationships. I don't mm. feel like I'm trapped. I don't feel like my autonomy has been taken from me. I don't feel like any of that. So um, mm -hmm. I'm really grateful to have met him, but at the same time, which is kind of what I wrote up in my notes for you, I, mm -hmm. I, he wasn't, he wasn't any part of that journey of me healing. I, I did that all on my own. And then that's mm -hmm. when I actually met him when I started to feel like myself again, that took yes. like, eight months. It took mm -hmm. a better part of the year. Um, yeah. and then when I met him, I was like happy, you know, I had my own place and I was like, life was good. And, um, and then he was just a bonus, you know? Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> there was a phrase that you used in your notes that for me, like inspired me to, um, to name this episode, right? Like, um, going to name it Kayla in Wonderland, right? Because 
you talked about as an Alice in Wonderland. And, um, you know, you talked about there's a phrase at where you said, I am not less than to make him feel more than, which is pretty much the epitome of what had happened in that relationship with your ex, right? Like right. you were becoming a smaller and smaller version of yourself in order to accommodate, you know, what he was wanting, which was him to kind of constantly be in the one up that I'm better right? I'm smarter. I'm, you know, all of these things, I'm more articulate, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. all of it. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, so to me, I kind of like, when I was reading that, I was like, oh my gosh, that's like Alice in Wonderland, how she had to take that little piece of cake to make herself small enough mm-hmm. to go through the door to enter Wonderland. Right. Right. And how many of us can connect to that feeling of, I am not I'm a shadow of who I once was. I've had to make myself smaller in order to stay in this relationship. My voice is softer. I'm not saying as much, you know, like all of these different things. And what I love about what you just said and this kind of message of hope that we're ending with is like, you know, I did, it didn't take another person for me to like come back into all of my muchness, right? Like there's a quote from Alice in Wonderland that's actually on my website. Um, which is talking about us coming back into our muchness, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, I love that, that you're, you're continuing to evolve in that. And you, you know, I, I know another place you, you said that that's a strong belief of yours, that we're meant as humans to continue to evolve. Right. And, um, and I love that you are well on your journey after this. And that that's, that's part of what I love about your story too. Um, you know, because there's so many places that I see things where, where people, um, have not been able to get good help. And so they're still in the place where they're feeling so broken and so damaged and I can't trust anybody and all of these things. And, and it's possible, it's possible right. to heal. It's possible to thrive again, um, all of those things. And so thank you for sharing your story and a little bit of the hope with us. So what I'd love to do now is actually um, step into the deconstruction zone and name some things for you, right? Because it's one thing to say, yeah, I was gaslit. It's another thing to understand and name some of the main components of what was happening. And especially for me, again, the most powerful part of that is understanding why are we vulnerable? Mm -hmm. Uh, And again, I'm super passionate about us not feeling like I should change so that I'm not vulnerable. It's understanding, oh, this is how I particularly am vulnerable. And so I just need to pay attention to that, right? So that it doesn't happen to me again. Right. Mm-hmm. And so um, you, again, shared a lot of good, relatable stuff. I'm not going to unpack it all because it probably take two episodes at least. <laughs> but um, one thing I do want to say is that your ex employed all but one of the seven gaslighting techniques <laughs> that I teach. <laughs> but we're going to focus on two of them. Um, and those are the ones that stood out to me. Um, the main method, I'll start there, was um, challenging the validity of your feelings, your needs, and your desires, right? It's a little bit different. I didn't feel, you know, um, the first episode um, is we're going to talk about something called Darvo. You actually haven't heard that one yet because it's going to be released this upcoming Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was that was one that I thought was a little bit in there, but the, the which is a little bit about redirecting responsibility. But for me, the overwhelming message that I heard was this challenge of your um, feelings being okay, 
with your right. needs being okay, just as they are, right? Like I, I heard you um, earlier and I, I didn't say anything then because I kind of wanted to wait until now, but you were talking about how, well, yeah, you know, I kind of do this thing. And it's, it was a thing of like, I go right over share. That was it. You're like, I overshare. And I was like, that's actually something I love in my friendships. Like the people that I connect with the most and the, and the fastest. And I'm like, you're a soulmate or like people that are like, "Mm," with other people that would be oversharing, but with me, it's perfect. Right. Um, and, and you're the right re- friend for that person. <laughs> exactly. And reframing that, right? Like, so it's not even right. oversharing. You don't overshare, right? It's just that some people, they aren't, they aren't matched to your level, yes. right? And so even reframing that, it's like understanding that that's somebody else's perception, that's somebody else's definition of who we are and how we process and how we share our feelings and, and all of those kinds of things, right? So, um, so again, what I believe the main method that your ex did was challenge the validity of who you are, your feelings, um, your needs, your desires, et cetera, right? So the, the way that this worked for me, it's a little bit of like he said, she said kind of thing, but instead of he said, she said, it's like where you were, where he, what, what he was doing, where you were, what he was doing. <laughs> and so for me, it starts out um, with a very normal, natural, human, healthy desire, which is to be loved, mm-hmm. right? We right. want to be loved by other people and that's normal, right? What happens though, is when we get paired with somebody <laughs> who will manipulate that or use that to their advantage, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so here you are wanting to be loved and here comes this person who um, introduces you to this honeymoon phase, um, which was the hook that we talked about earlier, fishing the hook, right? Like speaking of fishing, going away for fishing for the day, right? Like he, he hooked you right? and he set you up really is what he yep. did. Like he baited you, did it enough, long enough to where you're like, oh my God, this is a dream come true. Like all of the things, all of the gifts, you know, the trips sounds like a bit of love bombing, at least initially. But once that happened, And because it was a switch, right, we're left in this place where we're kind of like, okay, so what just happened? And as soon as that that switch flipped, right, he began using, I believe, these two main techniques. And again, he did all seven, but the two main that I saw were was what I is what I would call brainwashing and Mm -hmm. mind games. Okay. So the brainwashing is just saying over and over again, like you want too much. Like, why don't you think about me ever? You're so selfish. Like in all of these different situations, right? It's, it's one thing when you hear it occasionally, but you are hearing it in multiple scenarios. Like when you, when you were talking about your sexual relationship, when you wanted a hug, when you wanted to spend time with them, like, yeah. So that allows that person to repeat these phrases over and over again. And even if we know ourselves, when we hear something over and over again by somebody who we're supposed to be able to trust, it starts to eat away at our sense of self. Right. So exactly. and then the mind games is is kind of like, you know, the for me, the way that I saw mind games happening with you is taking your values or the the work that you do, right? Like the this desire that you have to be the best version of yourself and actually using it against you. It was a tool in his hand to use against you. And that's a mind game. It's like, ah, I I believe in this, but this doesn't feel like it's the right application of this tool, right? Kind yeah. of a thing. Does that, does that make sense? Oh, totally. It's like the affection, the intelligence, the family oriented parts of me, which are the best parts were like Mm -hmm. completely 
thrown in my face in the most negative exactly. way. Exactly. Right. And so to me, um, that is, that falls into the, um, tactics. So the techniques of brainwashing and mind games, and then the tactics that were used to accomplish the brainwashing in the mind games was highlighting flaws and undermining, right? So we've talked about undermining as the word of the day. And what this sounds like are um, focusing on the other person's faults and exaggerating them. So it's not just focusing on them, but exact, right? Making them bigger, making them a bigger deal than they actually are. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, you're too needy, right? So I could get on a soapbox and preach about this one all day long because (laughs) um, my very good friend and and therapist told me this phrase, you're only as needy as your unmet needs. But yet we've been told being needy is a bad thing. Well, if I'm needy, guess why I'm needy? I'm needy because you're, you're not, you're not giving me anything. You're not giving me any life. You're not giving me any love or affection or any. So yes, I'm needy, right? right. Like, yeah. and that's such a one that, that women especially are told a lot, but so it sounded like you're too needy. You're insecure. You need to work on yourself. You're the problem in our sex life. You're the reason I don't see my friends, right? It was constantly focusing on you as the problem and then exaggerating it. Absolutely. Right. Right. Um, And then again, I think he was especially insidious because he was specifically insulting and criticizing things that were important to you. Yeah. Right. So that's going to ding that fighter in you of like, okay, well, it it, it would be one thing if he was criticizing you about something you care about. Mm -hmm. But because these are things that you aspire to be great and wonderful at, it made you just want to work even harder. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, so what happens then for you um, is your I would say when I was writing this, I thought because, I, you know, we didn't get to talk. Right? I'm just looking at some notes. And now that I talked to you, I might want to tweak it a little bit. But, um, you know, part of it's your empathy. Um, when we are high empaths, we can um, actually unfortunately, um, disregard our own needs and feelings because we're so attuned to or paying attention to the other person's. Yeah. But the, the phrase that you kept saying over and over again is, as I'm such a fighter, like I want to fix things, mm-hmm. right? Or I, I want to to work at it, right? So, right? so one of the things that I think is a risk for you is that desire, right? And again, we don't want to change it just like we wouldn't want to change empathy. But what we look at for empathy, we look at, okay, how do I not how do I just pause my empathy and not totally disregard it? Yeah. And for that, that desire to fight, what we look for so that doesn't become a trap is, is the other person also willing to fight? Got it. There should be mutuality because if it's not, then what we do is we fall into that trap, which is the explanation trap. Okay. So it's like, okay, well, if I can, you know, if I can do this and I can do that, um, we, and then we end up self gaslighting and taking on the blame. Okay. Well, he says, you know, if I would do this more, right, then, then it would be better. And I can actually see kind of how that would work. Yeah. It doesn't matter that he's not doing a damn thing, but I can kind of see how that would work. Right. <laughs> and so we take on the blame ourselves through that explanation trap. And then for you, I believe that combines with the negotiation trap, mm-hmm. um, and the negotiation always, I said this in my, my last episode with Lauren, um, it's always, if I could, um, it's always, um, a negotiation with yourself. It's not a negotiation with the other person. Right. And so for, for you, to me, what that sounded like, and, and I would 
like maybe put this phrase in the vault as it's a red flag from here on out, <laughs> right? <laughs> if I could only be better, right? right. Um, if I could do this better, or I need to work on myself, not for me, but for us or for him, yeah. right? It's one thing if it's like, um, I'm not the most patient driver. I need to work on that <laughs> for myself <laughs> so that my energy in my car is better, right? Make some feng shui, feng shui in my, my car. Um, right. That's one thing. But when it's the motivation is to work to be better on myself for the other person, again, the key being without any reciprocity, mm-hmm. that's a red flag, right? That's how we avoid falling into that negotiation trap because then you're not negotiating. Right. You're working together with another person. It becomes a negotiation. We say, well, they don't have to work so hard because if I be better, it'll be good enough for both of us. <laughs> right? like oh, that kind of, oh yeah. yeah. So hearing me kind of do that deconstruction, what do you, what hits you? Anything, anything kind of a new aha that was a new insight or anything that was like, wow, that totally named it or is anything off? What are some of your thoughts? Well, to dial it way back, I just have to mention this one thing is when you said love bombing, actually, one of my best friends had told me that that's what was happening to me. And mm-hmm. I it like that was and you just validated it as well. So now okay. that was like, wow, I've never thought of it like that, because yeah. that's what kept me, you know, wanting to fight, fight, fight and just like, yeah. hey, I can do this. But um, I agree that it it can't just be one sided. I can't just keep, you know, expecting myself to be able to change all the furniture around in the relationship just to see if it'll work. Like it has to be a shared experience, you know, and, and, and he's, he has to work just as equally as hard as I do. Um, I mean, it shouldn't be, you know, so hard. Some of it should be natural, but (laughs) oh my fucking word, this is so hard. (laughs) Yeah. There's a difference. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. All of that just, I mean, all of it, I feel like you're spot on. I just, um, it's nice hearing it articulated because I feel like I feel certain ways or I see certain things happening. I can't quite put it into words, you know, like, okay, that, that's exactly what happened. Um, exactly how I feel. So I feel a lot better hearing you say all of that. Definitely. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So one of the things you can do with this, Kayla, if you want is, you know, you can, you can go back when you listen to this, um, cause I'm sure you're going to want to listen to, you know, your greatest hit, um, <laughs> with me. um <laughs> it is, you know, kind of go back and think about, you know, um, being able to name those things, creating red flags for yourself, because again, what this does for us, it's, it's somewhat about the other person, like, you know, making sure I can, not make sure I'm not seeing that in the other person, but more it's about if I know that I can see this in myself, I can trust myself moving forward. Right. And that's the biggest piece of this, right? Like if I know where my vulnerabilities are. I can know how to protect myself um, from having them being taken advantage of. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of vulnerability, there was one, like one burning question that I had. Oh, you're you're okay. kind of on the topic. You're talking about it. Go for right. it. Um, is I feel like the biggest struggle I struggle I have right now is identifying how much of my past relationship is sneaking into my current relationship. Mm. There's things that my current boyfriend will say that I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, um, I almost get like PTSD or it's like a trigger, <laughs> you know, I'm just like, yeah. and I, and I know that I've like looked at him and been like, what do you mean by that? Or, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I feel very like guarded of myself and, and I don't know, I mean, this could have been. It, it could have been like the simplest thing where I, 
and I, I want to say, you know, that he, he means well and that it's okay. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. sometimes deep down, I, I think, you know, am I, am I with a monster again? Like, I, I feel Mm -hmm. like, how do I separate those? Like how I Mm -hmm. trusting yourself? I mean, how do I know the difference for sure? You know, that's a little scary. It's a great question. And it's one that I know a lot of people have. And what I would say is that how you kind of know, like, am I with someone who's going to do the same thing again, or am I with somebody different is, you know, really practicing speaking up for your needs, right? Which is a little bit counterintuitive if we're afraid, you know, we'll just work harder, you know, all those things and say, no, I'm not going to work harder. Like I'm going to actually slow down and I'm going to say what I need. And then I'm going to sit back and watch and see what they do. Good point. That's a good point. Right. Because I, I mean, honestly, that's what I did in my current, my current relationship, right? Like at the beginning, because I would be triggered too, right? Like, and I, I would be, you know, Hey, you know, what you said sounds super like you're blaming me, right? Yeah. And I don't, I don't do that anymore. Right. Like I don't, I don't take blame for things that I'm not to blame for and it would trigger me and then it would trigger them and like <laughs> it became a hot mess. But, um, but, but what you look for is do they, even if they don't respond initially, well, do they come back around? Right. Like, so, because sometimes, especially if we've experienced gaslighting before, and especially at the level you have and I have, um, things can be triggering and the other person, they're not meaning to sound blaming. It's just, it's a difference in communication. Right. Right. Or they're not meaning to, to say something. And so when, when we feel, um, confident enough in ourselves to say, you know what, I'm not being too needy. I am practicing speaking my truth and my needs Mm -hmm. and letting the other person know how to love me well. I can say, hey, it's really hard for me when you do this. What do you think about responding like this instead? Is that something you'd be willing to try? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. And again, I'm not saying you fuck up, like do it like this instead, because otherwise I'm not going to stay with you. Right. (laughs) We're saying, Hey, this is hard for me. Would you be willing to try to do this? Right. And then I I want to further say, because this is an important key. Mm -hmm. The person can do it and then they can punish with withdrawing or resentment or other things. That is not a safe person just because they're doing what you asked their soul is not in it, right? Got a it. person that is worthy and able, worthy to worthy for you and able to join you in doing the work that is required in any intimate partnership, um, they will respond with compassion, with love, with a willingness without the resentment, right? Because their soul will be in it. Mm-hmm. They're, they they might mess up, but they're, but they're wanting to see you. They're wanting to hear you. They're wanting to respect you. They're wanting to meet your needs, right? They might not do it perfectly, but nobody does. That's not the point. Right. The point is how do you respond? And again, not just ticking boxes because ticking boxes, I'm sorry, is easy to do. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people say, don't just trust words, trust actions. I'm like, that's not even enough. Words, actions, and character all have to line up. And that character part is the soul part. So that's something we feel in our knower, right? And that's why where a lot of people get thrown off because they're like, mm, they said the right thing and they did the right thing, right? Like even when we're talking about with your with your ex where he used the attachment stuff against you, 
but something in your nowhere was like, this doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't feel like he's using this to help me be the best version of myself. It, it feels like he's using this to, to shift the blame onto me and make me feel like a piece of crap. Right. Using <laughs> right? Like, powers for evil. Exactly. Ex- exactly. Right. So it, it's really focusing in on that part. So do, does that help? Yeah, absolutely. It, it definitely does. Cause I, as you're saying that I'm thinking of the instances where we've had serious conversations. Um, and, uh, I feel like he genuinely is upset if I'm upset, you know, it like mm-hmm. really irks him or gets to him when he knows mm-hmm. that something has happened that I just don't agree with. And mm-hmm. he has, we always try to reach some sort of compromise that everyone's comfortable with. And we, mm-hmm. you know, and there's no yelling, it's very loving. And so, mm-hmm. um, it's, yeah, I could see that in him. And I think that he has sufficient character for my needs. <laughs> good, good, good. We love that. Well, um, and wrapping up, Kayla, is there anything you'd like to leave with my listeners today? Yeah. So one of the things that I, um, that I really felt as these changes started to happen. So as soon as I felt like, okay, you know, I, I want to start changing things for the better, you know, I want to I'm glad I'm out of this relationship. I wanted to start a new job. I wanted new friends. Um, there are so many different things that I wanted, but they were very much like life-changing events, you know? So um, even though I had made the decision, okay, I made the decision I want to change, it doesn't mean that I just woke up one day and I was happy. It, it did not work like that. It yeah. took a lot of work and um, it caused a lot of anxiety and a lot of fear, but eventually things came together. And so I kind of wanted to tell your listeners, like, you don't expect things to just change overnight and for your happiness to suddenly blossom. It, it takes a while and it, it can be so scary, but mm-hmm. I think once you push through that and once you get to the other side, you'll find that it was just, it was worth it, you know, all along. Why didn't I do this sooner? You'll start telling yourself, you know? And so that's not relevant either though. The, the point is that you did it and you got through it and you're better for it. So that's awesome. Thank you, Kayla. Thank you. All right. So here's where I'm going to give a little bit of a plug. Like um, Kayla actually did a great job of basically presenting a question for a question and answer. So that was kind of our question and answer segment. But if you have a question that you would like for me to answer here in my podcast, please look at the show notes. My There will be a link in the notes for you to be able to go to my website and submit your question. Again, you can do it anonymously. I don't have to use your name, but let's get some questions answered. And now we're at the point of the episode where I want to encourage you to set your alarm when it comes to undermining. And so how to do that. Pay special attention to the two main things we saw in Kayla's story. Number one, criticism or insults in areas you typically feel super insecure in, or super confident in, right? There are two different goals with that saying it's like the two sides of the same coin. Okay. Number two is when they use withdraw, withdrawing or the silent treatment. When you do something the other person doesn't like, or when you won't do something that they want you to do again, either way in a healthy relationship, the other person celebrates your strengths and is your biggest fan, right? They want to see you thriving. And they also listen to you, respect you, and validate you when you want something other than what they want. All right. So that's setting your alarm for the day. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Thank you once again, Kayla. I've so enjoyed our time talking today. And I know the listeners are going to get a lot out of what you shared. Thank you so much. 
Absolutely. All right. For you, my listener, if you like today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe. And if you think others would benefit from it, please share it. And remember, it's not about becoming who you want to be. It's about awakening all that you already are. And now I leave you again with Wendy Child, Not Today. We got stars in our eyes like diamonds. We got heart in the fuel to light it. Yeah, we burn it up. We got all the magic. Shout out if you have it. Yeah, we go with the flow like a riptide. Take a walk if you're not on my side. Yeah, we're dangerous. You're not gonna throw me Without